The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. He replied, What do you wish me to do for you? They answered him, Grant that in your glory we may sit one at your right and the other at your left. And Jesus said to them, uh, You do not know what you are asking. Can you drink the cup that I drink? Or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? They said to him, We can. Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right or at my left is not mine to give, but is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they became indignant at James and John. Jesus summoned them and said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones make their authority over them felt. But it shall not be so among you. Rather, whoever wishes to be great among you will be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you will be the slave of all. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. We just don't know Jesus as well as we like to think that we do. This is one of the realities that our readings today place before us. Look at what happens as James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come forward. And who are they? They are two of the 12 apostles who have been traveling and working with Jesus for nearly three years now. They've heard all of his teaching. Their eyes have witnessed all of his miracles. They have received direct formation from him in a way that nobody else has. And yet they still don't really know him. We often forget that there is much more to Christ than we fully understand. 
if we fully understood him, he wouldn't be God, would he? And so we have to recognize that there is always more about Jesus, always more to Jesus. And oftentimes, we're the ones who get in our own way in trying to follow him and trying to understand him. This is what we see with the disciples. Note how they pray here. And while the gospel reading doesn't say they got on their knees, they stilled their hearts, and they turned toward heaven in prayer, this request is a prayer. They come to the Lord, and they ask him for something, just like we often do. And the remarkable thing is that on the one hand, this is what we're supposed to do. We go to the Lord, we ask for what we want, we ask for what we need. And so they go to the Lord, Lord, we want you to give us what we are asking for. And while prayer does involve a certain degree of asking, there is a lot of very poor teaching about prayer that reduces it to the level of God gives us what we want if we just ask. God gives us what we want if we say, in Jesus' name I pray. Well, here they come. They go to Jesus, and they say, this is what we want. Just like we hear so many say to do. But what happens if you don't want the right thing? Prayer is not a matter of magic formulas, but it is a matter of operating in the right spirit. And so here are these two who have been following Jesus, and they are aware. They are very aware that his is a movement that will conclude in glory. They know that. They know that the Lord will be gloriously enthroned in the kingdom, reigning in power. They know that about him. Note the strength of their belief, and yet there's something missing. And so they come to the Lord, we want you to give us what we want, what we ask of you, because they know the Lord is powerful to answer their prayer. And they know the Lord is concerned about them. Note how much they get right. And then they say what they want. When you come into your kingdom, guarantee, give us this, that one of us will be on the throne at your right hand, and the other will be right next to you on the other side. And on the one hand, they are asking for a certain closeness with the Lord. But note what they are also asking for, a closeness to his power, a closeness to his authority, a closeness to his status. There's that in their hearts that distorts their relationship with him to one of seeking to glorify themselves. All in the name of referencing his glory. This is a subtle trap that has been 
set for the Christian heart for the last 2,000 years. And we regularly, repeatedly fall into it. Because the spirit of the world in which we live is a spirit of self-seeking and self-serving ambition. It is a spirit that strives to get ahead even at the cost and the expense of others. It is a spirit that says, as long as I get my status, my place, my desire, everything is good, and let everybody else worry about himself. This is the spirit of this prayer. They desire, on the one hand, to be with the Lord in heaven, but they desire it wrongly. Their relationship is distorted by their fear of maybe having a lower place than one of the other 12 guys. Their relationship with the Lord is distorted by their desire to shine forth and be the center of attention. Their relationship with the Lord is distorted by their desire to be the guys in charge who can set the world the way it really needs to be. And let's be honest, don't we from time to time wish that? If I were in charge, boy, would things be different. If I could direct things and put them in order, then everything will be rightly ordered indeed. And our prayer sometimes, without our realizing it, can have that arrogance hidden within it. We pray for the ones we love. We pray for the world. We pray for ourselves. But there's a note of ambition. Lord, change my son or my daughter in the way that is pleasing to me. Lord, change my parents in a way that makes them agree with me all the time. Lord, change the world according to my preferences. We ask for what we want. We ask for what we think we need. But we rarely say, Lord, make my relationship with my son or my daughter pleasing to you. Lord, change my relationship with my parents or my job or this world in a way that is pleasing to you because that requires often that the Lord change me. And we'd rather have everything else change than change ourselves. This is the spirit. It's a natural spirit. It's an understandable spirit. And we should thank the Lord that these two men made this mistake because it gives us the opportunity to see where we go off course to. It gives us the opportunity to say, if those who were closest to the Lord could fall into this, then we need to be careful ourselves and learn from them. And so this is where Jesus looks at them and says, you don't even know what you're asking for because you don't know what my glory really is and you don't know how I get there. You know that it's coming, but you don't know its essence and you don't know the way. Can you... Drink the cup that I'm going to drink from. Can you be baptized with my baptism? You know, in one of those classic moments in the gospel, 
Jesus asks this question, and on the other side of history, we know what he means. Because the Lord is thinking of his cross. And so the Lord looks at them and says, can you do what I'm about to do? And they go, sure we can. And you can almost imagine the slow smile on the face of Jesus. As they're so sure of themselves, these men who will run away from the mystery. Sure, we can do that. And Jesus hears the confidence that really wants to believe that, yes, I can, without even knowing what it is. And you can almost see the slow shaking of the head as he goes, oh, oh, you will one day drink the cup that I'm going to drink. And you will be baptized with that baptism. You have no idea what it is, but it's, it's coming for you. And then he says, but the places, seats of glory in the kingdom, they're not available for the asking. They're not, they don't exist just to be given out first come, first served. In fact, Jesus says, and this must have been shocking to the disciples, those seats are actually reserved. In the plan of God, there is a sense of a space prepared for every single one of us. And you're asking for a spot that might not even be yours to begin with, because that's not how this works. It's not about what you get for yourself. It's not about how you advance yourself. Because that's not following me. That's following your ambition. That's not serving me. That's serving yourself. And all we have to do is open our eyes and look around the world and see where that has gotten us. We live in a world where man doesn't stop following his ambition where we do not stop serving ourselves. And look at what we produce. Look at what we produce. And Jesus says, understand, that is not my way. I don't go to claim a place that is mine that I want. My Father has given me a place, and I go to the place that he has given me. Because I haven't come to advance myself. I haven't come to seek myself, to serve myself. I haven't come to enrich myself. I've come to give myself. Note the difference. Note the difference in the spirit. Let me grasp at glory versus let me lay glory aside for the sake of somebody else. If you want to be great in my kingdom, you're not great by asserting yourself. You're not great by advancing yourself. You're great by giving yourself. 
The one who would be greatest must be the servant of the others. The one who would be the mightiest will be the slave of everyone. Not seeking himself, but seeking someone else. To follow me is to learn my way, and this is my way. If you want the seat beside me, this is how we get there. Notice what Jesus is saying. He's not saying you can't get a throne, but he is saying that's the wrong way. This is the way. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And so desire rightly. The Son of Man came not to take, but to give. And so desire rightly. Desire to give as I do, to serve as I do, to lay the desire for glory and advancement and attention aside like I do. And honestly, again, it's such good advice. How often has our need to be in charge, our need for attention, our need to get our way, brought us nothing but trouble and division in our homes, in our neighborhoods. See, we know this. Deep inside, we all know this. We just keep tripping over ourselves. And so we have this marvelous, marvelous example from the part of the Lord. And it's good that we have this example today here at Mass on this third day of our Novena for Life at the Shrine. Because it's this attitude on so many levels that creates this cultural climate where the life of the vulnerable, the life of the needy, the life of the powerless is so often disrespected and cast aside. And the greatest justification is always my convenience. We close ourselves to life. We close ourselves to others. We articulate it in a false and lying sense of compassion. Oh, no one should have to suffer. It's better if they can end their life. Because that's also easier than caring for them. That's also easier than showing them that you are not a burden. It is easier to terminate an unwanted pregnancy because it gets in the way of my career, my desires, my goals, than it is to lay some of that aside for the sake of someone else. Note how oftentimes we fall into these traps that do have deadly consequences without even realizing how distorted our motivations are in the first place. No one ever says, I'm setting out to kill. What we say is, I'm setting out to get what I need to protect myself, to defend myself. Give me what I want, Lord. And the Lord says, it's not about just what I want. It's about what is right and what is good and not just what I get, but how I give. 
And the other reason it is so wonderful to have this gospel today is because in just a couple minutes, this same Jesus is going to be right here on this altar. And we're going to come forward. And we're going to stretch out our hands to the one who isn't about getting, but is all about giving. And the Lord says, I am here. Oh, and I will give you what you want. Because deep in your heart, what you really want is that life that does not end. What you really want is that mercy that has no limit. What you really want is freedom from the selfishness that traps you within yourself. And all you have to do is come forward, stretch out your hands, and I will give you more than you think you want. And I will give you more than you even know that you need. Because I will give you myself. And I will not hold a thing back from you. Because the Son of Man did not come to take, but he came to give. And that is the one we receive. And we receive him in part so that we can go out and at least just a little bit more do likewise. What a great thing that is. And we all as Catholics can leave Mass in that spirit in the spirit of the one who has come not to take, but to give. Just think of how different our neighborhoods, our parishes, and our world could truly be if that is the reality that the people of God truly, truly live. Amen.